0: In twelve one one two, of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a Millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world, we are your hosts, Allison and Tess. It's good to see you, Tess. I have been traveling so much that yeah. the other morning I woke up in my own bed and I was like, "Where am I?" <laughs> what <on earth>? So <laughs> I think six days total in this month that I will be home.
1: That's insane.
0: It's fantastic.
1: Okay. As long as you think
0: it's fantastic. I love it, but I did get to spend a couple of, well, quite a few of those days in Austin yeah. and New Braunfels. Uh, ACL was incredible, you know, me and 450,000 other people seemed to really enjoy it. Um, it was remarkable flow, yeah. very organized. I mean, one band ends and another one begins and it, the timing mm. is so pristine and i was thinking about how interesting that is because it's an expectation
2: yeah right
0: okay. so they don't start on time in a lot of places okay. a lot of venues uh-huh. with uh, noise ordinances sometimes you know bands have to end on time or get fined or you know whatever that wow. looks like but very rarely do you see a band start absolute precise time wow. and it just kind of reminded me about setting realistic expectations mm. mm-hmm. and what that looks like when people do set them and people step up to them. Yeah. Um, so it's really good to see you. I see you. cannot tell you how stunningly gorgeous you look oh, in a recent stop. picture oh test. It is one first of all, it's one of the most fantastic photographs I've seen taken of a human. Oh my god! For whatever. <laughs> it really is.
1: Relay that to my friend who took it. <laughs> Please
0: do, because I think we'd get photos wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. We
0: get photos wrong a lot. Mm. And I, I think it's just an absolutely stunning photo, period. But it is such a great picture of you, and you are literally glowing.
2: Oh gosh. <laughs> I
0: saw it, and I was like, Tess. Um, so I hope you will share the photo on our uh, GM Insta. Um, I would love to share a photo of me, but I got nothing. Um, <laughs> other than my smile is really big at ACL. Um, there's a picture.
1: Share a, fo- share a photo of that. We'll put that I'll back. see it. Yeah.
0: Okay. My, my smile is very, yes. very big. Um, but I was around the right people. Yeah. And that has been a really big learning lesson in my last, well, Six months for sure, but in the last month, mm-hmm. I've just gotten a lot more discerning and thoughtful about my circle. Mm-hmm. And relationships are really important, expectations are really important. Mm-hmm. But I think naming what is important to us mm-hmm. is some of the hardest work. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of segues into a bit of what we're going to talk about sure. today.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah. Before- before we segue into that um I'm a little flushed from you mentioning the photograph if you can't tell uh because I was hesitant to post it because not because of the photograph I just don't post a lot of photos of myself especially like of me on my own like I post photos of what I'm doing or my surroundings and it and it and it, it this harkens back like all the way back to like conversations that we had on the road with teammates with young people of like why don't we talk about something that we're proud of it's because the world says that we shouldn't right and so when I think I'm like I love people that post a great feeling yourself selfie like here for it or photo like this is great I am gonna support the heck out of it it's just never been my kind of post um or Mm -hmm. my kind. like I just wouldn't ever put that up I'm even like even when I travel like I very rarely post Like, I'll post photos of what I'm seeing when I travel. I'll post photos with my travel companions, but generally not on my own. Um, And so it definitely was – it was one of those things, though, that I – like, my friend took it. I was like, oh, my gosh, I really like this photo of myself. And I don't often like photos of myself. And um, and I was like, why – like, what's preventing me? Like, what in me, like, is – like like not even like worried about what other people think or just like it's not me and I'm like whatever eff it like I like it I had a great time like she took a great photo it was an awesome evening like yeah I'm gonna put this up here so and it was fun and I got lots of really great like compliments and stuff and it was it's definitely a practice of like of like pushing back against the limitations that we have which is just a continual thing that we talk about right so,
0: I also here. think, Tess, it's important for us to name this. Is my opinion, mm-hmm. um, as, as is this entire this, podcast. This our our for opinions. <laughs> That's right. We, as women,
1: yeah.
2: mm-hmm. get
0: really weird about being proud of our appearance. Yeah. yeah. So, because. When we do feel proud of it, I think we almost feel ashamed to be proud, or think this is important. This is a great picture of me. This is important to yeah. share. Or I need because... to qualify it based on the things that I'm yes. about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you post more pictures of your what you're reading.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, significantly and, more than I've ever
0: it, posted of me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think, I mean, what I notice is I'm so harsh of the photos of myself. Yeah. Number one that I, I mean, I really discern mm-hmm. which ones make it, which yeah. ones make it to the, to the socials. But then sometimes I feel almost embarrassed of the fact that I'm proud of a picture yeah. of how I look mm-hmm. because it's my brain, right? My brain is one of my best features. Yeah. So it's almost, I think for us as women, a tricky balance in how we see ourselves in so many different angles of that. Oh
1: my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm it's
0: real- a stunning photo. And the thing that I noticed is it's, it's kind of the word bliss that comes to mind. Like you're in this moment of utter joy and mm-hmm. someone captured it. I
1: was, and when I we was, have I was those moments chocolate at that time, so it was very joyful.
0: <laughs> I mean, and when we're in those moments, I think we should somehow name them, commemorate them, write them down. I've been, I talk about this a lot. I do morning pages, but I've also been doing in the evening as a book into the day, jotting down like what my favorite parts of the day were. Yeah. Because t- 112 episodes, this is unbelievable to me. Yeah. Like the way that time seems to be rapidly moving since oh gosh, yes. post-COVID. Yep. It's, I need those bookends okay. to be able to commemorate and mark the day. So a photo like that is a treasured memory. You should also frame it. Okay. <laughs> <I'm> t- <laughs> I, know, I know you won't, know. but I'm telling you anyway. <laughs> okay,
1: thank you for the note. I will not, but I received the note anyway.
0: <laughs> thank you for the note. I will not. That will is not. a great phrase. I,
1: I literally had this conversation with my therapist this week. She's, like, encouraging me to, to just, like, yeah, to do a lot of things. And she... Uh,
0: do you say no? And,
1: and she... Oh, yeah, yeah. She's like, you need to reframe <laughs> how you're thinking about this. Like, uh, um, and and I was like, um, I, I receive what you're saying. Um, I know that you are um, like in, in my mind, you have been proven correct many times. So I believe that you are right, but I need to sit with that because <laughs> I don't feel that you are right right now.
0: <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how it should work yeah. in any dialogue with any trusted human in our lives mm-hmm. is for us to say, I receive that but I'll need to sit with it. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. That's yeah. That's most of the time So me. Anyway.
0: So I had I had a great therapy um, appointment this week myself, oh, and I fabulous. my big my big goal is to see just how hard I can make Vicky laugh. And this week, off the charts. I mean, I had her crying, laughing, and I'm like, and this is this is where I am in this life.
1: The point of therapy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, I, I just celebrated my three-year colorado anniversary. Uh, actually had a party last night, um, a lovely little group at a place I love called Kate's Wine Bar, and um, invited people who have been part of my journey here. I've met a lot of really great people in the last year, um, and two of them that were there are my financial advisors, Evan and Corey. They're just great humans Mm -hmm. and they've connected me with other great humans but they show up and you know we get to chatting and what they do has very little to do with money Mm -hmm. like we talk about my retirement maybe you know 10 minutes of our conversations mostly it's about life and evan was talking about how you know his job essentially is to hold space for people Sometimes he's a therapist, sometimes he's a coach, sometimes he's the person's only friend. But we kind of got into money is such a uh, tricky thing to deal with, it trips up so much shame for people. And so um, we we talked a bit about that. And I was talking about having, you know, colorado Anniversary now, I celebrate it every year. And I said, it's one. Of the few choices i've made yeah. that i'm very proud of yeah. it's a choice that i want to celebrate each year and i just don't think we do enough of that i mean we have our standard sort of celebrate this celebrate that but i'm going to continue to celebrate I love that. a really good choice my move here was one of the best things i've ever done I
2: love that. for sure oh,
0: and sorry. i don't have a black belt in good decision making uh, poor choice specialist would be a great tagline for me. So I've been very lucky over the years to have people who will walk with me through those choices, including many mentors, yeah. including um, many friends, including many positive voices who have said, it's okay, now what? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's good, that's crazy. I love that, I love that. It's important to remember to celebrate those things too, right, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I love that, I love how they do it, colorado anniversary um, so to, to kind of, like, segue us into one of the things that I was thinking about, I've been thinking about a lot lately, um, I, this past weekend was in Salt Lake City, Utah, for a conference, and, uh, didn't nearly have enough time to explore and see what the city was about and the surrounding mountains, and um, which was unfortunate. But um, I had an incredible time at the conference. It um, is hosted by an academic organization called the Society for the Scientific Study of Religion. So it brings together people who study religion, mostly from the social sciences, but also some theology people, philosophy people, but primarily sociologists and some psychologists, and um, and it's a, a, an academic org that I've been a part of for a while. I've attended their conference the last few years. And um, they are one of the few academic orgs I know of that have formal mentoring programs. And you know me, you know you, like we love a good mentoring situation. We know the importance of it. We know how it encourages and calls out the best in us. And... Um, so when I saw, like, a year and a half ago, perhaps, um, them posting a call to apply to be a mentor or a mentee, I, like, jumped at the chance, and I'm like, oh my gosh, absolutely, I'm going to sign up, get mentored, especially, like, I love my department and love the, the program and being at Howard, but they don't have any sociologists of religion on faculty, like, nobody really studies religion as a central, as their central area of study, um, so I don't have anybody. I had uh, a great professor in undergrad that studied religion um, from the sociological perspective and still am in contact with her, but nobody in my department. So I'm like, absolutely would love to to get to know more academics in this space, to be mentored by academics in this space. And so last year, and they do kind of like, they all have more mentees than mentors that apply to be a part of this. Uh, so they do like last year I was with the group by three mentees to one mentor. So it's like a group mentoring situation. And then this year, um, two of us to the one mentor. And so last year I was partnered with this awesome academic and, um, <clears throat> she is, she does really, really cool research on like different forms of religion, like internationally, um, <clears throat> And is a little bit of like when you picture, like, picture the eccentric nature of Miss Frizzle <laughs> as like, but Miss Frizzle was always like, she's kind of like a little bit kooky, like off the wall, but like always was really like, and here's what you need to know, like communicated her teaching, all that kind of stuff. That last part, well, isn't quite present. Like, she's just kind of a kooky professor that's a little bit like, Like, you're not quite sure what she's thinking, like super personable, like runs up, gets in your space, like is excited to see you, like wants to get to know you. And then we sit down and and we met at the same conference last year. It was hosted in Baltimore last year. And we we met as a group and then have had multiple email exchanges since. Um, And we sit down and I'm thinking we're going to cover things like the academic job market and like, how, like, what you should be doing now as a pre-dissertation PhD student, what to cover, or, like, what are the best things to, you know, pieces of advice as you approach your dissertation, how to formulate a committee, like, these sorts of things, which I feel like are standard topical areas in academia. Practical,
0: practical, practical knowledge. Yes, Yes, yes.
1: Or even just, like, not even practical, like, general pieces of advice, like, how to, you know... Like be an academic and survive in academia, especially someone who studies religion, in a space that doesn't necessarily prioritize it. Like social sciences don't prioritize the study of religion, like you know, which is a reality we have to contend with as scholars of religion. So, so or just so even that, just like very general advice, right? Doesn't even need to be super practical. And we sit down, and the very first thing that she like the wisdom that she dumps on us is proper proper salutations for people. Like how to address people in a way that is respectful of their title and experience in research, which I thought was a really interesting starting place as she is a woman of color who has been very much like not respected in the way that she should be based on the scholarship that she does. So for her to be like somebody that inherently challenges systems of power, in academia as someone who has been a victim of the reality of the systems of power within academia. And then to come and like the first like bequeathing of knowledge from this like professor who's been at, like, she's an emeritus, she's retired. She's like an emerita professor now. Um, like for that to be her first of like, you address me as, as Dr. Fill in the blank. Um, and I will address you as Miss Starman. And, um, like we are not on that level of uh, connection at this point and this is how you should address and this is how you should sign off emails like, and, and it, yeah. And, I have so many
0: questions. Uh-huh, I have so many questions. Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. And then, I mean, it was interesting. It went on for a very long time. This first mentoring session, I eventually had to cut it off because I had a, a dinner to get to after a couple hours. And then she sends us periodic emails throughout this year and all of them are very, not similar in content, but similar in tone of do this or do that. It was like it felt a little bit like uh, an etiquette book but for for academia, which to back to the original idea of like expectations who you have in your circle like so this mm-hmm. is like this is my first experience with like I have a mentor through, a section of the American Sociological Association, but she doesn't do religion. So, this is my first like mentorship with a religion scholar. Um, and so, and I'm like, I, I get her perspective. I get like, I always am like, yeah, I get that she's a little zany, right? Um, so then, but it's been like overall, like there are some tidbits that I've taken away, some interesting things that I've taken away. Um, and then I go through the process again this year um, because I'm like, it's also networking and connecting with people, and I get matched with this professor who's also, like, later in his career. I don't think, he hasn't been in the field as long as she has. And I sit down, and I wish I could have had three more hours talking with him. Like, the way in which he was so passionate and so purpose-driven and the way in which he encouraged you to center, like, your purpose in your work and mm-hmm. do a dissertation that you love not one that will necessarily get you a job like but doing studying something that you love will get you to the finish line like being connected to things that really interest you continually uh encouraging you to be open to like not an r1 heavy research big name university of like the the joy and the connection you have with students and learning and research at smaller colleges and universities um publishing in a public way that's accessible to people instead of behind a paywall of scholarly journals. Like these sorts of things that I'm like, like it was one of those things that like, I know my mentor last year had incredible intentions and I know I learned a lot and I know that she is a fabulous academic and has done some really great mentoring for students that she works with more closely. I think it was really brought into perspective when I then had this mentor who I reached out to and will continue to be reaching out to. Like he Mm -hmm. is the kind of scholar that I want to be. Yes. That when I am his age, like he is exactly who I want to be with that energy and that passion and that purpose and that love for what they do. Like that's, it was the other sessions were energy draining and I came away with a to-do list. My time with him in our session was energy giving And I walked away also with things to do, but in a very positive, this is incredible. I am recentering the things that I care about kind of way because I finally see an academic who loves their job and doesn't feel the burnout from it.
0: There's so many things here, Mm -hmm. right? That, I mean, I'm just bursting. I want to go back to, at first I wanted to go back to questions and now I'm like, they're not even really worth asking they would be energy sucking versus giving to, for me to ask why, but what comes to mind for me are the things that we know to be true about best practices and mentoring. And it should be like, the first thing as a mentor you should do is ask, Mm -hmm. like what do you want to glean from this? What is important to you? And, I think, you know, whether we're talking about mentoring or we're talking about leadership or we're talking about relationships, you know, partners, we talk about this all the time, energy contagion. And the best part of what you just shared is that you have a shining example of a great, a great one Mm -hmm. so that you have, you know, this is what I want to emulate. This is, it allows you to next and future cast for yourself when you can see those characteristics in someone else. And that's what a great mentor can do. But also, I think the way we show up in the world is very much based of course on our ego and in what we're projecting, projecting. So, I've been thinking a lot about Haley, my mentee. Um, we communicate solely now uh, through uh, Facebook um, because Haley has graduated. Our matches ended through teammates. Um, and I notice when she reaches out. And if I ask too many questions, I don't, I don't get a response. Hmm. If I celebrate, her and I say, you know, tell me two good things. That's always been my go-to. Mm-hmm. Tell me two good things. Mm-hmm. She's more likely to respond. There are times then that I notice she'll reach out and it's, you know, five o'clock in the morning and she'll send me a message. Hey, are you up? Things aren't going so well. Mm-hmm. And she's not looking for advice. No. She is not looking for me to ask her or interrogate her with questions or tell her how I would do something. She's simply wants me to be present. And, you know, but did anybody tell either of these professors how to mentor?
1: I am sure not. And this is the thing that I'm curious because especially it was just like comparing it to how mentors were trained with teammates, like how y'all trained mentors. And there was mentor is mentor is not activity that you led and there were expectations and you just have to be there and and I was thinking I'm sure they didn't get any training and it made me think like how in the weirdest sense and I know like not everyone listening will like will get this or like just like let me go along this line for a second how incredibly wackadoodle academia is <laughs> because not only for this example but I also think about all that it takes to be a K through 12 teacher like you go you get an education degree you have student teaching hours there's a license that's required in academia you get a PhD you automatically get to teach you don't have to also, have any teaching experience
0: K12 is reviewed
1: Reviewed, yeah. You're like proctor. You've got people that sit in and evaluate your teaching. Even you have parents who give feedback. Have, yes. Yes, like yes, there are like feedback forms that they encourage you to fill out at the end of your college courses. But like there is no regulation, like there is no expectation on teaching. They're like you're a content expert, teach, right? Which is just crazy to me. And I was thinking about that, and then oh, that's I was also so true. thinking about how mentors are prepared. And I was thinking academic mentors. Academics are not trained as mentors nor as teachers. And, and it, it was simultaneous to this and at the same conference that I had a dinner with one of my undergrad mentors and then another student that graduated from the same undergrad program. Uh, a few years later, we never overlapped at Creighton, uh, and she's in her PhD as well. She's at a different program. And that program is toxic and exploitative, as most grad programs are. And I think about the ways in which that perpetuates, like, and then teammates, we didn't talk about this, crappy mentors, right? Like, like, you are formally, as an academic advisor, especially as an academic working with graduate students, in a formal mentoring capacity, right? But you are given no instruction, no training, no best practices. So what happens, which is what happens for teaching, if you're given no teaching and pedagogical training, which most academics aren't don't, don't have that. Um, you teach the way that you were taught, or you mentor mm-hmm. the way that you were mentored, right? Yes. You rely on your own lived experience to inform that. Yes. And in many ways, like you we could extend that logic to parenting, right? Like people parent the way that they saw parenting happening, or they react against the way they were parented and parent in an intentionally different way. And I think that this was really, it really struck me, and it struck me especially in the context of mentoring, because I think when we were teammates, and even with other, like, I still work with youth mentoring programs on evaluation stuff, like, we're never, we don't often talk about how there can be a lot of bad mentoring. We talk about what good mentoring looks like, and I appreciate that developmental aspect, but this, like, love this academic that was my mentor last year she was a bad mentor like she was Mm -hmm. not giving advice that was helpful nor constructive nor productive and so it was not
0: engaging it
1: was not engaging it was not i didn't look forward to spending time with her when she sent emails i kind of read them but then was like i'll get back to them and then forgot about them and then would never reply right like
0: so i would i would take this even further test to say this is what i see regarding leaders very consistently with the, um, the executive coaching that I do. So you, you take someone who learns their trade, learns their skill, is really good at it, and you make them then a leader and they have no experience managing humans. And there's no, I mean, yes, there's some great, there's some great training, there's some great learning, but it comes down to the human, the leader has to be humble, and willing enough to go learn, yeah. and not assume that they know everything, and not assume that because they know their trade or their skill really well that that automatically makes them a great leader. Yeah. I, I see this very consistently with the coaching that I do. Um, you know, I'll, I have some some really brilliant people that spend a lot of time being brilliant and because they've done well and continue to do well, they have been in the space of being promoted to leadership, but they have literally never managed a human or worked with a team. So then they not only have the task of doing the great things that they do really well, then they have this task of managing irrational human beings who are going to show up with their own crap so i find that just really fascinating the way that we i don't know what i call it a societal structure but it it makes no sense to me now i work also with some really gifted leaders who are devoted to continuing to grow as a leader they will read they will get insightful they will ask for feedback from their team they will look at things from a 360 view they will dive deep as to how they are showing up Mm -hmm. and not assume that they always have the answers but we don't we don't name bad leaders as often as we should either um and i agree with you we don't often name bad mentoring i want to go back to the irony in you saying wackadoodle and academia in the same sentence. Just let the record it's like show. Me
1: calling it a super fun survey. It's
0: <laughs> I know. These moments where you act like me, I just, I, I have to name them just for the record, you know, that I can say Tess used the word wackadoodle um, in the I podcast like, no this way. week. I'm gonna have to re <laughs> Right. Yeah, or you'll edit it out. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think we don't name the wackadoodle enough because if we would lean into contrast we would be able to glean better best practices Mm -hmm. so yes we all have you know we know these best practices of leadership we know these best practices of mentoring we have research that shows you know the impact of the best practices of engagement But if we would bring to light, and this is kind of, I mean, we're going a little bit away from our positive psychology strengths model, but if we would just every once in a while say, and here's a stark example of what doesn't work, I think it gives us a little bit of a bearing um, to say, and let's do more of what does work and let's do more celebration of, Mm -hmm. of great mentoring. I think the mentor you have now the key thing that you said to me is you look forward to that time. Okay. And I again I've become much more discerning of my circle, but I've started noting who I look forward to seeing, who I look forward to spending time with, mm. who exhausts me, who drains me, mm. who um who gives me light and hope and future casting and nexting and who keeps me stuck in the past. Just for contrast, my word of the year is define, it's helped me to get a little bit clearer to say, yeah, I I like this, I don't like that as much, so I'm gonna actually spend more time over here and less time over here in the energy suck. Um, I spoke about this the episode before last in friendships. Yeah. Um, I see the same kind of thing. I have people in my life who are wonderful people, but are sucky friends. Yeah. And I can at times be a sucky friend too. But when I spend time with people who are truly great friends, and I want to spend more time with them, and I notice that, I just I get more thoughtful about that example. I want to leave people better than how I found them. Mm -hmm. My hope is to do that in all situations, whether that's as a leader, as a guide, as a mentor, as a mom. Mm -hmm. But I don't always get it right. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes me looking at some of those examples of where I didn't do it well gives me a better um, bouncing off point to do better.
1: Yeah, I think it's helpful to to like get back to the idea of expectations to also recognize that that like some people might really benefit from that kind of mentorship, right? And like I mean, maybe, you know, you know, yeah, and like yeah, probably <laughs> I mean, it might Did be, like, you notice anyone? Mentor. So there were so with this particular instance of my mentor last year, like there were two other gals and one of the two others was like taking like Lots of notes, like, and seemed really engaged in the conversation. And I don't know if that was for the sake of like, because this academic is volunteering her time and sharing these things. A lot of things she said were like fairly intuitive. Like, I'm not gonna like call up a professor and go, you know, hey, bro, like, what do you have to say about that? Like, I'm gonna address them, and they're like, like that's you know you wouldn't have gotten this far in academia had you not I hope your next text to me
0: starts with hey bro
1: Hi, bro. yeah 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 no um so but I think in some ways like it made me think too like that even something like this like I love that they have this formal program but there are no set forth expectations not even a short bullet point list of what mentoring looks like or what this program's purpose is, um, and and so it just makes me think, like especially when they're when things are so undefined like that, that mentoring in mm-hmm. general has a is an undefined relationship. Um, yes, that you don't have a formal role in relationship to one another beyond the context of the mentoring space, and so there's a little bit of like the the need. If you're not in like a formal program that sets explicit boundaries around what your roles are, um, which not every program, even not every formal program does, right? This is technically a formal program that doesn't do that. So there's this need to set those expectations together, to set tone together. And I don't think people walk in thinking about those things like I do I do because I've been in the mentoring space and I, with a formal program like so knowing a little bit of what those expectations are but not necessarily like not everyone's thinking that way and I think both of these academics came in like I've had great careers or I've enjoyed my space I want to mm-hmm. give back I've had great mentors I don't even mm-hmm. know I don't know what their motivations were for signing up to volunteer in this way uh, but they came in both with very different expectations of what it looked like to be a mentor to,
0: to up-and-coming academics. So many angles of this apply literally to any relationship. Yeah. yeah. And it's having the dialogue of what are your expectations, what are my expectations, and how do we meet in the middle? Mm-hmm. The yes. other thing I want to note, we, we should give a lot of props to really great. Teammates has really robust and great training. And I just want to name that. That is, I would say, a really big part of the success of the organization Mm -hmm. is the quality of training and the continuity of training, the expectations of training um, from all angles, not just the mentor, the mentee, parents, school districts the teammates coordinator who's supporting like all those key players having really quality training. Um, and you know, I'm getting better at this. I will also acknowledge that I had a strong yeah.
1: influence
0: yeah. in the but quality Jesus of that it's training.
1: Training as if you didn't like build the entire infrastructure. <laughs> up, you know, like.
0: and, and I, I do miss yeah. doing trainings. Yeah. Um, Because that's where I got better as a speaker, but I also got better at training when I asked people in the audience, what do you think? What are you experiencing? You mentioned mentor is, mentor is not. That came from a place of making sure that we heard the voices in the room. Like those are best practices of training. You hear what other, you hear their voices as soon as possible. And so my training improved because I was asking, what's your experience been like? During renewals, mentors were coming to the table and talking about their experience, what resources they need, what struggles they ran into. And that was data for me, to then go back and improve the training. But, you know, now I look at this in hindsight, you'll laugh, just this month, I'm better understanding that I have unique superpowers that other people don't. Oh my god! <laughs> but it's in my ability to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have recently received so much feedback, like, you ask really great questions. And I'm like, oh, well, do you don't?
1: No. Doesn't
0: everybody? <laughs> it reminded me of when you took strengths and your, your big aha was, mm-hmm. you mean not everybody is like this? And I'm still learning that what I do naturally well is unique. And it's that showed up in so many different ways with training. So I would ask meaningful questions, not, did you have a good mentoring experience? But tell me about the best part of mentoring, and tell me some of the hardest parts of mentoring. Um, Tell me what advice you would give to a mentor who's just getting started those renewal sessions were full of data that you can't get on a survey and you can't get over the phone. Um, and it made our training better. I mean, I know it's, I know you're laughing truly. Sometimes I'm like, I do that well it's such a good
1: reminder though that like and we get this a lot and have said it a lot that people are like well you're both strengths coaches like you know the terms you know the you know all this kind of stuff but like we're still constantly I think in awe of of this framework of this research of the reality that is uh the conceptualization of like talent into strength and so I'm constantly like reminded of it of You know, just the other day when we were in Salt Lake City, like I went to this dinner with my undergrad mentor and this other gal that graduated from the same program. And um, my undergrad mentor was like navigating us to this restaurant that she found. And um, when we were done after a great dinner, she was like, Oh, let me like pull this back up to figure out how we get back. And I'm like, No, I can lead us back. And I didn't lead us back in the same way, but I led us back in a more logical way <laughs> based on what I knew from my one walk in the morning out to a coffee shop of like, like that sort of thing where like, and I didn't even recognize it in the moment and didn't even put two and two together until we're sitting here. And I'm like, absolutely. That's context in action. Like that's.
0: Tess, I would I still be at a stop sign in some towns in Nebraska had you not said you're going the wrong way.
1: Yep. But that's I mean, these you, things is it's you so, knew it. Like, it's so implicit in our everyday functioning that we don't recognize it so your ability to ask meaningful questions that solicit like rich descriptions and rich answers Mm. um is so ingrained in who you are that's the reality of like we talk about them as strengths but like inherently especially when it's like on uh like when it's not unconscious, subconscious, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just this innate inclination to do this. It's actually talent, right? Because we aren't necessarily meaningful. It's talent plus investment is what gets us to strength, right? But it's when it just comes out of us, like we aren't cognizant of it, we aren't in the apply uh, or the name claim aim, we aren't in the aim, aim. portion, right? That means right. we're just purely functioning on our talent. We're purely functioning on these innate inclinations to do something, right? Because that's how we're built, and that's how we're wired. And so, my like innate ability to say, "Oh yeah, Dr. Jameson, you put away your phone. I can get us back." Like, we're going in that direction. I think it's easier if we walk up Main Street and then take a left on First, like rather than zigzag as we did on our way here. Like, and for her being like, "What on earth you should have navigated us here?" Like, you know, like that's just innate. You asking these questions is just naturally a part of a part of who you are. And I think. I think that's something that we don't talk about enough because we talk about name, claim, aim, and tame so much that we also don't recognize that, like, we can put the energy and effort into refining our strengths. And we should. You know us. Like, we're all about personal growth. We're all about knowing ourselves better. All about applying it in a meaningful way. All Mm -hmm. about, like, finding the right manifestation of our strength in a certain context. But we can, you can shed all of that and you're still functioning with your Gallup strengths. They're just functioning as talent, right? They're functioning yes. as, as these raw diamonds, right? These raw source gemstones, right? That you haven't buffed and you haven't cut and you haven't carved away. Like they're just in a part of how you're wired. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't, I don't feel like we name, name that enough because we're so focused on the growth and the refinement. And the movement towards more mature forms, which is a great thing for certain.
0: Yes. And the defining and the discerning for me has become a really critical part of that aim piece. So I even had it in this this recording. I am literally busting with my questions. But Mm. the way that I flex my input communication now in a much more mature way is to ask myself is that question worth the energy is your diatribe worth stating out loud allison or is it okay to hold it yeah. and it's because of great mentors and because of great complementary partners that i've learned to flex or shine those gems in different ways and that's an a, a constant evolution you know i i see how my strategic is showing up now more in more ways than it ever has. Um, It's a great blender strength, right? Mm -hmm. Strategic blends well with others. My strategic is I think for a good chunk of my life been heavily blended with my empathy Mm -hmm. and now it's becoming a lot more, it, it pairs more naturally now with my input. So my strategic almost creates this natural balance of, and which questions are worthy yeah. and which questions are necessary. And I also think woo is such a great example. It, it pains me, pains me to hear people say, and I had someone in an audience recently say, oh, yeah, I've taken this five times. I, I just want to crawl under the table so that my face doesn't react. I'm working on that. I'm getting better at that but i get curious and i'm like tell me why and it usually comes back to a dislike of one of or yep. or more of those yep. top 5 and i think had they had the right person to explain that mm-hmm. talent yeah. or ask them about that talent or help them think about how they aim it with intention they might have a different feeling mm-hmm. but just as we were talking about earlier that projection so just Same for me. When I saw Wu in my top five, I did not like it because it had been a label. It was a problem. It was a need to be liked. You think you have to be friends with everybody. I am learning Wu is um, one of the greatest gifts that I bring, but I'm using it with much more intention, much more of an aim than I ever have. So if I was to take the assessment again I would probably see Woo be a little bit lower, would be my guess, because I see it as a tool in my backpack. Yeah. I don't always need it. And what I've learned about it is it takes so much energy out of me to use it mm-hmm. that I have to kind of keep it tucked in the backpack for special use. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, my other strengths don't get to shine, and I'm going to be exhausted. So I mentioned Croy, the guy that I met on the plane who, yeah. you know, yeah. Got this lovely text from him this week. Now, this is, this is why I am grateful for planes. I am grateful for travel. I am grateful for how I show up in conversation. I get this long text from him, and he said, since our conversation, all of these things have been better. I have a better relationship with my sister. He goes, I feel like since I met you, my trajectory has changed. Wow. I I mean, that's an Academy Award for me, right? That's a Pulitzer for me. That is the most meaningful praise I could possibly receive. And he is a stranger. Hmm. So my thought was after reading that, like, just go do more of that, Alison. Just go do more of that. And it that energy contagion yeah. has made me better as a result, but we don't, back to expectations. Like if I would have had an expectation of, yeah, I'm giving you all this, so you better reach out to me because uh, you know, you're a potential client. Mm-hmm. If that had been my expectation, I'd be disappointed. Yeah. But this is not, um, kind of like last night, I had a, a fairly lengthy list of people I invited and I have a tendency to get disappointed mm-hmm. when people don't show up because I pride myself in being a person who shows up. But I walked into this, I'm, I'm really practicing the art of detachment. And I walked into this thinking if no one shows up, we're still celebrating this yeah. really important part. Mm-hmm. And then I said with my input and my woo blended, get curious about who does
2: mm.
0: and see what happens and it was remarkable to see who did show up i got to have one-on-one time with each they kind of came in waves i got to have one-on-one time with each yeah. person that is a better use of woo yeah that's more strategic
1: i would say not necess- not per se a better use right a different that's a different use that's blended with your strengths Right. There are mm-hmm. people that won't use woo like that or that might seem incongruous with how woo functions in their self based on their other top five. That is a fabulous mm-hmm. use of the blending of woo for you, not only with strategic, but with input, the question mm-hmm. asker, like they, like literally you're approaching it as a get curious about who shows up. Right. Like right. Just even the way that you framed your approach to it is an input input strategic support of the Mm -hmm. use of woo input strategic Mm -hmm. filter on the use of woo.
0: So I shared this with my therapist and I'll share it here. Um, I have been in awe recently of how dare I say this out loud, happy I am kind of just a little bit. Of course it's unraveling, right? Because in the past, what that means is there's some kind of, Horrific thing going on underneath, behind the scenes. It's going to come and rip the rug out from under me. <clears throat> but i i got i got thoughtful about why I'm using my best practices.
1: Look at that! You're in integrity. You're in honesty.
0: You're in I am walking in my values. I am practicing what I preach. I am doing work that I love and I'm taking care of myself. Weird.
1: Wow. That's crazy.
0: And so I said to Vicki, I go, I, I just, I have to tell you like, this is, this is what I've been doing. And I'm, I'm pretty happy. And she's like, Hmm. hmm. What are the chances? This year I've been keeping track in a date book. I have a key and each day, you know, if I drink my water right away in the morning, I have a water sign. I have a heart if I did my morning pages. I have a little book if I did my reading. I have a smoothie if I had my smoothie. I have a um, bullseye if I had good food choices. So I've been keeping track. (laughs) (coughs) The only only executing theme I have. And so I've been doing this and tracking it. And it is absolutely uncanny how my mental well being aligns with me doing those things. And I'm like, hmm, that's really quite fascinating. You should probably pay a little bit of attention to that, Allison. That you have a manual of you, but you often don't read it. Mm-hmm. And then I have to share this with you. Um, and this will be a great way for us to close about good ideas and best practices. I was having a conversation with a leader this last week. And he's got high maximizer, high ideation, um, I think high achiever. I'd have to look again into strengths. Anyway, these are my, this is one of my favorite questions. What is one of your best practices? Tell me one of your best practices. And when someone responds with, well, you're gonna think this is weird, but I mean, I know it's gonna be gold. I know it's gonna be gold. He goes, well, you're gonna think this is weird. And I said, tell me. He said, I have a notebook that I call the good book, not to be confused, you know, with the Bible or
2: anything,
0: (laughs) right? He said, I call it the good book. And he said, and this is where I put ideas to die. So good ideas go in the good book, great ideas go to his to-do list. So in order to create space in his brain and his energy, he puts good ideas away so that he can maximize on the great ideas and then once a month goes back and looks at the good idea book and sometimes he'll find ones that you know i should have kept that or yeah yeah, it belongs here and i said first of all that's genius secondly i'm going to tell everybody i know about this and it made me think of You know, over the years, Geeky talked to me a lot about that high in election strength that she had and and her brain, if she didn't give herself think space, her brain would wake her at night saying, excuse me. And so something like that, which he thinks is zany and wackadoodle, is one of the best, best practices I've ever heard for someone with high ideation, high maximizer. So I think it's a good question for our listeners is you know kind of to bring all of this together those examples of things that are great and those examples of things that clearly aren't working mm-hmm. and how do we take time to do the contrast the both and mm-hmm. so good mentoring versus mad men- bad mentoring great best practices versus no mm-hmm. i mean thinking about some of those the word that comes to mind for me is contrast and how can we name more of that yeah. in our, in our everyday?
1: Yeah, absolutely. it's a good idea. Yeah. So examining something in your life and assessing the contrast in it. And I think that's, especially in our realm of like, yeah, being more in the space of positive psychology, focusing on success, focusing on what works well. I think it's helpful every once in a while to do an assessment because in many ways, the reason we know things aren't working well is in contrast and in relationship to things that don't work well. And I think this mentor last year versus mentor this year is just this <laughs> insane contrast that I haven't quite seen and and hasn't allowed me to quite examine the ways in which mentoring cannot be great sometimes. And it because, it, you know, if there's a misalignment of expectations or if they're, you know, it's just not a great fit between mentor and mentee. So um, I think that's I'm
0: going to push you a little and yeah. you can take the note and say no, but I hope you find a way to tell this mentor just how much you look forward mm. to time oh, okay. with him. His wisdom
1: already have note taken Good. and already applied
0: <laughs> note already. taken and yes
1: and yes actually <laughs> done but not 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 as high achiever as you are a high achiever on my list. <laughs> already checked it off 100 100 and already am like hey just want to prepare you you will be hearing from me <laughs> not sure if that's what you signed up for or thought you signed up for but i will be reaching out so yeah for that's, sure. great. So, that's great so that's great absolutely absolutely okay i love that find the contrast examine that um it's a great, it's a great, great concluding point with all of this. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to episode 112 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend to interact with us and share your responses to the question that we posed. Best way to do so is by giving us a follow on Instagram at Jen and Millie at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. Until next time.